Welcome back to the Love Your Story podcast. If you are a regular listener to this podcast, you know how the stories you tell yourself create your reality. That's what the whole Love Your Story movement is about, helping you to realize and take control of your life story. Wayne Dyer said, quote, be open to everything and attached to nothing, unquote. This is key as we do work with our own stories. Today, I have a treat for you. Andrea Carver is here on the show, and she is a craniosacral therapist who has practiced for 30 years. The heart of her work as a therapist is a spiritual understanding of the unlimited potential for growth of the human spirit. And as she has done her work over these past three decades, she hears stories every day that are similar to each other, limiting stories that need to be reframed. So stay tuned for our interview and to hear a few skills for taking old stories and shifting them into empowering ones. Let's be open to everything and attached to nothing, and we'll see where we land. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Andrea, welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. So happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. So Andrea, you have trained under some really impressive people, Deepak Chopra and Byron Katie. What was it like and what did you learn from these folks? Well, I have always put on my vision board, I wanted to learn under Deepak Chopra. I adored the man and his, the messages he said resonated with me. And I, you know, had six small children and I was trying really hard to get some kind of training from him, but it was really hard. So I put it on my vision board. I visualized I wanted to do this and I did a training with him in California. And oh my gosh, my mind was just shifting all over the place. And I just wanted more and more and more. And I was like a sponge and he just spoke my language and he answered all these questions that I couldn't figure out for myself. And I'm a pretty high strung person. And so I, my spirit was craving to slow down, to meditate, to talk how he does so slow and just everything is just so chill and I just wanted that grounding in me. So it was amazing. In fact, I went back for several years, almost 10 years of just getting more trainings, more, um, did a lot of his workshops, did a lot of his really, uh, one that was just a me workshop where I just got filled and used all my dosha types for eating and having treatments done to me and just really took care of myself. But I loved the fact that he taught me how to meditate and he is the guru and the fact that he it was a doctor an endocrinologist that everything was backed up and supported by statistics everything he said he had a statistic to support it and he hooked people up with electrodes on their head and we were at a five-star resort and he brought people in from the five-star resort hooked them up that should have been completely relaxed there that weren't because they were worried about things back home. They were worried about the office. They were worried about, you know, and he just said, even when we get away, we're not relaxed. 
And so just the techniques that he used and the logic and teaching everything was so fascinating. Byron, and then Byron Katie was the, I read her book, Loving What Is, and it was life-changing to me, life-changing. And I thought, I want more of this woman. And so I looked her up and took her workshops and her trainings and fascinated by her brilliance. And really that is the number one modality I use in my cranial sacral work because out of, I don't know, probably 50 different trainings I've had, I use hers and Deepak are by far the most effective with myself and with all of my clients. So what does Byron Katie teach? Byron Katie teaches that everything in life is a mirror. We're just mirroring each other. If you see good or bad in another person, it's because you see good or bad in yourself. If I want to compliment another person, I'm seeing that in myself. If I find fault with another person, it's because there's something inside of me that bothers me that I was able to see in that other person. And I'm irritated with the other person, but really I'm irritated with myself because that's a flaw in myself. And that person just brought it to my attention. So instead of taking that bit of information negatively or personally, I'm saying, wow, thank you for mirroring that to me so I know what to heal in myself. Okay, so let's move right on into some of your stories. You said that the same script you hear from people all the time is that they have had a negative experience that happened to them in the past. Those experiences then help them to create a story that they tell themselves, so they've created this perceived reality, and then they spend their life looking for proof to validate these stories. I want to start off as we always do with stories, and so I was wondering if you would recreate and tell us some of these stories that you're repeatedly seeing as you work with people. Sure. I have um, repeated stories of people that have had trauma when they were small, and they continue to look at the lens of the age of when they had that trauma. And so it's really a shift in being able to show them that, you know, the emotions and the feelings you felt at that three-year-old stage or that five-year-old age is still the same lens you're looking at life through. You still have those same trapped emotions in the body. And so they spend a whole lifetime looking for validation and evidence to validate the story that happened to them when they were three or five years old. And so I just think it's an amazing um, awareness when people can see, oh my gosh, I'm still feeling the exact same I did when I was five years old. And I had a man that came in and his whole goal was how he got treated in high school and how people made so much fun of him. And his whole goal was to be so successful and to go back and show people he wasn't the little weasel, that he was going to get this empire of a company and be a CEO. He was going to just show all of this high school friends that he was successful when really nobody really cared. I mean, in high school, they'd already moved on. But this guy's whole motive was revenge, was to show the people in high school. So now he made all this success, but he wasn't happy because his motive was not pure. His motive was for revenge for this high school friends to see his success and and to see how much progress he'd made. But his whole story came from a place of resentment. And he, you know, not a good story because he did end up dying of cancer because he had all of this, you know, I kept trying to get him to shift, but he just wanted his high school friends to see he had this big company, had this big truck, but none of it served him. I mean, it was, their motive was not good. Then I've had other people that have had a motive 
and they've grown up with abuse in the home where they've had two twins, two twin boys that the father abused them sexually, physically, and emotionally. And the mother had passed on. So the dad raised him. And the one boy, the whole time the dad was abusive to him was saying, I will never repeat this to my children. I will be different. And he kept taking every experience and trying to turn it around and trying to understand his father and trying to not put fault. He was an alcoholic and blah, blah, blah. And the other son became an alcoholic, the other twin. He became an alcoholic. He was homeless. And he basically repeated the same patterns as his father. And the other one was determined to not have this happen to him and to be different and not to leave this legacy to be passed on to his children. And he became an attorney for abused children, you know, and an advocate for them. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. So I had an associate once who, well, it was a a guy that I dated and his sister had been molested when she was younger, maybe 13, 14, 15, something like that. And at this point, she was in her her mid-60s. But her whole family would make excuses for her because she would behave really inappropriately, really crudely, and really, well, just in ways that were socially not acceptable, (laughs) things that she would say and do. But her family would make excuses for her, saying she was, because she was molested when she was this age, she just hasn't grown past that age And I'm wondering, it sounds like you're saying something similar. Am I interpreting that correctly? That when, when something traumatic happens to people that their mind kind of stops in that space and they don't get past it. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And then, you know, they will continue to look for evidence to validate the story. I can't function because of this experience, because of this experience, I'm the way I am. And so they, you know, they use it as an excuse and they become the victim and, and everyone around them are, is the villain. And so, so how do you, how do you help people get past that then? I mean, that seems like a, a big step for people to be able to reframe something like that. Well, I, I let them see the, the, the mirror that goes on, even with the person who um, abused them. And I let them see that this person regardless of what they did, I mean, what they have done, their feelings were, they had this done to them. It was done to them and they felt insecure. They felt powerless. They felt angry. They felt revengeful. They had all these feelings of the emotional baggage of feeling broken. And some people will repeat the pattern to others and some people will not, but to be able to look into the soul of another human being, which is what I've done for 30 years and see everybody's good. But when you have these things done to you, you know, is you, you project it onto other people, but to be able to get the victim that had the abuse done to see that the person that did it to you is hurting as much as you are. They really intentionally were not meaning to hurt you specifically. They were acting out what was done to them and to separate the person from the performance or separate, you know, I'm not broken what was done to me was wrong, but my soul is still whole. You know, I still, I even have him visualize a picture of Jesus holding and protecting that little spirit and not, and letting that spirit stay whole. And that soul is whole, but the body maybe, you know, got abused and the body had things happen to it, but it doesn't affect who they are as a person. They're still a child of God. 
they still have their soul protected from Jesus and visualize them sitting on Jesus's lap and protecting that spiritual side. And maybe even saying, you know, that maybe they felt capable of handling a situation like this. And maybe they chose it. Maybe they chose to learn from this experience and gain all kinds of wisdom and compassion for other people that have gone through it and tools to help them. So what difference do you see between the people who have something ugly and damaging and can make it into an incredible learning experience where they come out with wisdom and enlightenment versus someone who gets stuck in that ugly and damaging space and is just unable to get out? Is there something they do that differentiates which path they take or something they don't do? I think is if they're willing to do the homework and search deeper into their own self-improvement and not just want someone to fix it for them, but they're trying to learn why this happened and how they could benefit from it and what they could do to, to take an ugly situation and make it into something positive by helping other women that have been abused or helping other people that are struggling with this on any, on any situation. But it's the people that the story serves them somehow, like you were saying earlier with yours, she got the attention. She didn't, people coddled her. The story serves her. So she will hang on to it when the story no longer serves them. And they go, I am so done with repeating all these horrible relationships that I keep failing at and figuring out I'm the common denominator. There's something in me that's causing this. And I'm using this story um, to produce these results. And they kind of reach a point where they have you know, a path. I can either change this. I'm sick of what I'm doing and they reach the bottom or the other people and I've got to change it by doing the homework and doing what it takes to get well. You know, I believe that all of the greatest battles that we have as human beings are battles that are within our own minds. And sometimes we're in spaces where we really need a guide to help us get through a block that, that we don't know our way around because we don't always know our way, but the work does have to be done in our own hearts and our own minds. And I have found very much so that the control of our stories and our interpretation of them is up to us. So we do get to choose whether we love our stories or not, according to which approach we take, just like you're talking about. And your mess is your message. You know, your mess is your message to the world. And you can, you can inspire and empower people with your mess by making it your message to the world to like, I can create something different. I can create another story. What I find the most in my, in my work is I specialize in telling people that your words and your thoughts affect how your body works. It can weigh you down physically and make you tired and make you feel like you're, you have all these emotional symptoms because they get trapped in different parts of the body, which are chakras. And if you think that your, your whole body's mostly made of water and water is a conduit of energy and the water surrounds your brain and it surrounds your organs. So the things that you speak and say about yourself can either energize those organs in your body or they can deplete those organs in your body and they can make you tired. And, and people will, this one gal said in a workshop I did, 
I'm a personal trainer. I eat clean. I'm healthy, but I'm always tired all the time. And I said, because you keep repeating the same story to yourself and it depletes you, you know, so you're, you're energetically tired all the time and it creates a physical tired. You know, so much of this daily battle, this daily struggle, this just daily habits of being in control of our own minds. And particularly, I want to bring it to where we have been lately. So during the past year, we've all been staying home more and connecting less and touching less and dealing with the um, resulting anxiety and depression and stress that comes when humans can't be the social beings that they are. And of course, the stress of the unknown that has surrounded the pandemic and, you know, how we've all been desocialized in a way. Well, now that we have to deal with the mental and emotional aftermath of that, we have different wars in our mind that we're fighting now. And since you have seen this repeatedly, and I mean, by seeing this, I mean, are constantly working in this craniosacral area of helping people to understand their stories and how to reframe them. What do you suggest for all of us as we deal with this COVID backlash of being separated and stressed? Well, I think it's just like you said, the way you look at it, men, because the mostly the clients that come into me have learned to find the good in this ugly situation. Like they've been able to connect more and have more time with their grandkids, with their children. Um, They've been able to have more time on focusing on themselves and healing themselves. They've been able to do more reading, to do more fixing up in their houses, to do things they've always wanted to do and weren't being able to do. They've been able to create more spirituality, find time to meditate, find time to do things that they've wanted to do for themselves instead of always so busy, they never get a focus on themselves. So I feel like, you know, you you have both where some are depleted and depressed and anxious and fearful. And knowing that you can't have fear and faith in the same space all the time. And which one are you going to choose and choosing to see the glass half full or the glass half empty and saying, okay, wow, I've never had this much time to myself before to really focus on self-healing or really get things done that I've never, or a book I've never been able to read or really connect with another person on the phone or on, you know, the zoom or whatever. I just feel like, you know, we can we can make it be a really positive experience. Absolutely. I want to know exactly what it is that you do with people so that we can get a feel for what you do. When somebody comes in for craniosacral work, what does that look like? So they come in and they tell me an intent that they want for this session. And then I have them visualize the intent. And when they're lying down, I have their clothes are on and they're on a table. And then they do this breathing and I go down by their feet and balance their chi. So when you get stressed or uptight and you have all of these emotions that are never dealt with and you just stuff and move on and stuff and move on, it gets stored in the different energy vortexes of the body. And so say the heart chakra, if you have a lot of sadness and hurt, it gets stored in there. If you have root chakra issues where you don't feel safe or secure and financial issues, it will get stored in the hip region. And if you can't speak your truth and you have problems speaking your truth, it gets stuck in the throat chakra. And over a period of time, if you keep letting that recycle over and over again in the throat, it can cause imbalances in the throat like laryngitis or sore throats or eventually thyroid issues. 
because it's the water surrounding that area is polluted and it can't thrive. It can't heal itself. And so I put my hands on each chakra and I go through each chakra and feel the blocks that are in there. And we go through each stage of that that have caused the blocks. And when you get all the blockage in there, you have a tendency to grind your teeth at night. And it can move the zygomatic bone and the mandible, which can cause all kinds of shifting in the sutures in the head. And it just throws you off. And you can get this blockage in the back of your occiput and those two protruding bumps in the back of your head that cause pressure in the neck and shoulders. And it also causes pressure in the sacrum in the lower back. And so when you feel jammed up in the occiput in those two areas, it will usually come out through pressure in the neck and shoulders and in the lower back. So I release the occiput, I realign the sutures back, I clean out all the chakras, and then when I release this jammed up cerebral spinal fluid in the occiput, you, your body releases it and all of the cerebral spinal fluid starts circulating and give nutrients to the brain, GABA, dopamine, serotonin that's been jammed up back here and isn't flowing like it usually does. So when all that is cleaned out and realigned, your awareness, your third eye, your spiritual eye opens up and you're able to see the whole big picture instead of just a narrow view because you're so jammed up. So do you do this physically or energetically? Both. So there actually is hands-on on the head oh, yes, and I'm all the hand- Yes, I'm doing all of that realigning and releasing and balancing the cerebral spinal fluid and between the occiput and the sacrum. So it's a body, mind, and spirit cleanse, balance, awareness, you know, so they're all working together in harmony instead of opposing each other. That sounds nice. Yeah. (laughs) Think I'll have some. (laughs) Yeah. Love to do a cranial on you. So if people wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? They go online at andreawellness.com and make an appointment. And I also have Facebook and, and Instagram that I'm also publishing a lot on as well and doing programs on my on andreawellness.com that you can buy and you can do the programs with workbooks or you can do meditations on there or you can get tidbits on um, Instagram and Facebook on Andrea Wellness. What final tip do you have for us in being wise and reframing our stories? To be careful what you say, to be careful the words you use and the thoughts that you have because it affects every cell and organ in your entire body. And if you want energy and if you want to have a clear mind and if you want to stay focused, then you need to clear out the negative gunk out of you every day with processes that I do and then refill it back up with positive affirmations. You could even just say, I choose to release and let go of anger, frustration, resentment, um, not feeling good enough, depression, anxiety, and then just give your body permission to let it go and then replace it with I am, you know, and I am after God. And we all have that same God-like energy in us. And so being able to tap into I am, I am grateful. I am living in present time. I'm finding peace in present moment. I am finding growth in every situation. I'm excited for a new day. You know, I ams. And then I like to put myself in a purple bubble of protection so I don't poke focus on absorbing other people's energy. So I just think the most important thing is getting the yuck out, 
putting the positive in, being aware of what you say that is negative. And when you cancel it out on your thymus, which is if you put your chin down and put two fingers underneath it, and then you tap, that strengthens the T cells and produces more T cells for your immune system. So when you're negative and you say negative things, you're, you're putting that into your body and it creates more of what you don't want. But when you tap, when you're stressed or uptight on the thymus, you create more T cells. So you tap and say, and say I said, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I would say, cancel, cancel, cancel on my thymus. And then I would say, I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I'm learning from that situation. And then tap again and say, accept, accept, accept. Before that thought has a chance to imprint in the cellular memory of the body and create more evidence to what you already thought. Mm, That's great advice. What a great tip to end on. Thank you, Andrea, for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Deepak Chopra said, quote, quit trying to fight the darkness and look for more light, unquote. As we conclude, I think this is a fitting stair to step out on as we consider our stories and how they are holding us back. Let us all be less resistant to changing them. Let us look for the light and the learning that comes from the shift rather than struggling in the dark. Your challenge this week is to identify one story in your life that you know is holding you back. Shifting your stories is often something we cannot do alone. We need guidance and help because we're so stuck in our own way of seeing the world. We think how we see things is fact. Well, if you need help meeting this challenge, you can go to loveyourstorypodcast.com and find Andrea's contact information in the show notes. But I also suggest that you listen to the five steps to reframing your story. And those are available to you in episode 46 through 50. Each episode deals with one of the five steps for reframing your story. And you can learn more about each of those steps and try doing them yourself. And then if you need help, there's always Andrea or I that will help you. So excellent for walking you through all the steps as you do the work. And excellent for being here today, people. Thank you for being here. We're so happy to be able to provide you with tools. We hope that you will use them in the way that best serves you. And here's a note from our sponsor. This show is brought to you by the 21 Challenges Group Platform. If you are a leader of a group, any type of group, book club, network marketing, employee group, a youth group, a friend group, and you're in need of a fun, fresh, positive way to connect during this disconnected time, we've got an online program that'll create fun, stretching connection and engagement with your team. Your team will get a fully immersive platform for the 21 challenges and weekly coaching with Lori Lee as we spend three weeks creating awesome possibility. Loveyourstorypodcast.com and look for the group link. We'll see you in two weeks. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on whatever platform you listen to. 